Hi, this is Tom Quillfelt with another Sound of Play interview on the Cane and Rinse Network. Normally you'd see a Sound of Play jukebox episode roll into your feed on a Wednesday featuring favourite tracks from regular hosts, forum contributors and guests. This time I speak once again to Jim Fowler, whom I interviewed for this podcast back in mid-2017. Jim is the former principal composer at Sony Computer Entertainment Europe, now a freelance composer but still working on stuff out of PlayStation's London offices. He's done all sorts, including orchestration on Everybody's Gone to the Rapture and Bloodborne. He's joined by senior composer and music producer Joe Thwaites, and both Joe and Jim have worked on all sorts of first-party titles over the years, including the PSVR launch title VR Worlds. We chatted about their impressive soundtrack for the latest PSVR exclusive, Blood and Truth, a London-based gangster shoot-'em-up. The score fuses a cinematic orchestral palette with grime beats and MCs. The grime beats are produced by Zdot, and some of those MCs include Jamie, Eyes, Kamikaze and Ocean Wisdom. I was interested to find out what Joe and Jim had learned over the last few years of VR R&D since they've been embedded inside PlayStation's internal audio team since before the PSVR was even announced. We chatted about cinematic grime, an amazing interactive music moment from the game, and what the PS5 might hold in store for music and games. It's probably worth mentioning that Joe and Jim have quite similar voices, or at least that's how it comes out on the microphone recording. To separate them, Jim has a Shropshire West Country accent, so hopefully that will help you identify who is who. Enjoy! Hello, Jim. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Good. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having us. Doing good. Very well, thank you. Excellent. No problem. Very excited to talk about Blood and Truth, and we're still in the launch window, so you guys must be very, very excited to have a new new title out there in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's very cool. Yeah, it seems to be getting a, a good reaction as well, which is always nice to see. Yeah, number one in the UK sales charts, the first VR game to do so. Yeah, that was crazy. It was uh, pretty exciting. Every morning that I wake, now that I'm freelance, I'm not in the office. So every morning I'm waking up to vast screeds of things on Twitter that the studio have retweeted. It's great to see people loving it. So with the the score for Blood and Truth, uh, I was still trying to pin down a subgenre. It's kind of orchestral grime or cinematic grime or grimy bond or bondy grime or something what what do you guys think the best uh, kind of subgenre name for it would be i think we're quite keen for someone to come up with one because we've never quite really done any better than you did with uh, the cinematic grime and uh, grimy bond and orchestral grime mashup combo mix-up scenario <laughs> we never we never quite had a pissy name for it did we I think orchestral grime is kind of our, our default go-to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, there are elements in the soundtrack which are very orchestral and there's elements in the soundtrack which are very grime. There's only, there's kind of certain parts of it which is that mashup between the orchestral and the grime. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on to the collaboration with Dot later, but uh, for you guys personally, how long did you spend on this project and was it relatively smooth or were there some sort of thorny challenges to overcome? I'd say in total we were probably working on it over the course of two years. Yeah, two years, I think. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a hard game. It was a new IP. 
it was um, on a new kind of engine that was being developed at the same time, like the tools were being de developed at the same time uh, as the game itself. And it was for VR, which is obviously a new technology and kind of people are still working out exactly what, what works for that and how stuff works for that. So that combination of the fact that it's a new IP, the fact that it was using new tools and the fact that it was for this kind of new hardware um, together was quite a challenge in terms of the game, um, which kind of, in terms of the music, had an, an offset onto us in terms of kind of... Yeah. I think because there was an ambition in every aspect of making the game to really sort of push and find out what like what is a triple A VR game. You know, how how far can we push everything and that translated into the music as well for sure. And we so like the first recording session we did was uh really early in development. It's basically a suite of ideas, partly um so that we could share it with the grind producers we were gonna be working with but partly because it felt important to be getting proper assets into the game, um, you know, rather than using placeholder and then discovering later down the line that actually XYZ doesn't work in VR or that um, maybe the dev team have, ha have done something that actually they didn't need to because we could have fixed it with music and stuff. So I'd say we were sort of more heavily involved with finished product for a longer time than we have been before. So, I mean, you guys have the benefit or, or the curse of working inside a platform holder. PlayStation have been acquiring and building VR expertise for, uh, you know, five years plus now. Um, I think it's fair to say overall VR development is still in, in its infancy. But what lessons have you guys learned from maybe London Heist and VR Worlds that, that you're bringing to, to Blood and Truth? On the tech front side, you know, we... The biggest thing that we found with VR is getting music in and getting music out. Um, you can definitely have music in VR and it definitely enhances the experience, um, but it's actually a lot harder to implement because of how noticeable it can be if it's not implemented correctly. Um, so if the music cue doesn't come in just at the right point, um, it becomes particularly obvious in VR over that of a kind of 2D game. Yeah, because music's always kind of most noticeable and most effective when it's starting and when it's stopping right you think any time in a game or a film or anything if music starts you kind of think oh something's happening and say you know you know the wave of enemies is done because the music stops so you don't always want that really obvious start to the music and normally you can sneak things in you can creep it in but yeah we found in vr that the places that we thought the music would start are often just don't work at all so for instance back on the heist in the in the white van chase where you're you're going down the music starts um when is it when the window's punched out isn't it um and what the original version of the music was a filmic thing that led up to the moment where the window's punched out you know you'd want that kind of bill 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 bang now here we go and it looked great on the you know we're just play writing it to a capture um, but then when it went in game, it was just weird. And just music started and it wasn't synced up to anything. It didn't feel like it was leading to something. It was just like, why is that music? So that started early? What's going on? There's no one here. Um, and we tried loads of different versions, like sneaking different types of slow intros, this, that and the other. And in the end, what worked 
was we just hit the start of the music in the massive noise of the windscreen bursting out and the big rush of air that comes in with that. We just that's where the music starts. So once that noise has settled down, uh, it's got the music in it, and uh, that was a way more effective way to have the music in and make it be excited, but not lift you out of the experience in a kind of disembodied music has suddenly appeared way. <laughs> But no claims, gun. Here, make yourself useful. To give you guys a chance to blow your own trumpets, do you feel like being, you know, part of PlayStation that you're probably some of the, you know, pioneering? VR music practitioners in the world, really. Yeah, I mean, we get an opportunity to get all the tech before anyone else does and try this stuff out. And the whole remit of London Studio is to be getting this tech and pushing the boundaries and testing out what is actually possible with this so that other games can kind of see what can be done and um, kind of lead by example. And it's definitely the same with, with audio as well with music and and the sound with our whole remit is to push the boundaries and push what is possible and really test this tech out and see see what we can do with it yeah i think there's sometimes like the the radiophonic workshop used to be for the bbc and the you know they were an in-house group and i remember hearing an interview where they said they felt like it was always their job to be pushing and doing the best they could because they were this kind of salaried group providing this expertise i sometimes feel like not that we're doing the same thing as the radiophonic workshop but that we're that same like a combination of a a, a research group and a creative services team you know, trying to combine the best of both of those to do something interesting well, I didn't hear any theremins on the soundtrack, so I, I don't think you can really compare yourself. No, to, you're right. Uh... Although there's a swanny whistle <laughs> on one of the cues that sounds a bit like a theremin. So. <laughs> I was going to come to that cue, actually. <laughs> but, uh, I haven't had a chance to play the game, unfortunately, and I haven't had a chance to watch the whole thing through on YouTube. However, I did catch that there was an absolutely brilliant uh, video game music moment in the club where you're sort of approaching this DJ desk and there's the, the shootout in the club uh, and everything. How did that sequence come about? So, yeah, again, we work really closely with London Studio. And one of the, the cool things that means is that when they're trying out mechanics, we can kind of put our foot forward and say, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we do this? And, uh, yeah, it just so happened there was going to be a fight in a, in a club. And so we kind of suggested that you might actually be behind the decks because it would be a great opportunity to showcase what we can do with um, kind of ambisonic music and putting music in the world. Uh, kind of positional music in uh, virtual reality with the 3D sound sounds really great and sounds is a really good source of placing you in an environment. So, um, so we started playing around with this idea of getting a couple of club tracks that you could mix between and then slowly over time that evolved to actually being able to put different filters on them and we had loads of fun adding all, all kinds of stuff that you can do in the DJ booth. Um, like You've got like a little stutter um, buttons and you've got a little DJ deck which you can scratch on um, and then you've got a high pass and a low pass and a band pass filter which all have like different reverbs on them and stuff like that. Uh, just to jump in on the stutter, right? That's another good thing about the sort of being an, an internal 
team on this kind of thing that we have an audio programmer and Joe said to Nick one day is like oh you know what we need we need our own stutter edit so that you can see so Nick just went off and made a, a wise plug-in that, uh, that does all of that for us. Did you have in mind that because players can control their hands when they step up to the t- DJ booth and all the music kicks off that they're obviously going to do fingers in the air like you just don't care? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the whole idea of the DJ booth is to make it as it's kind of as fun as possible, and uh, that's why you've got a whistle there as well. You can pick up a little interactable whistle and blow that as well. You've got um, sound effects on the buttons that uh, do various different things. You have like the the classic air horn. Um, stuff's and, all synced up with the VFX as well, right? Yeah. When you let off button, There's stuff going off in Music. Coming from the club. Attention, all security personnel. We direct to nightclub immediately. That got their attention. Requesting urgent assistance. Repeat, urgent assistance. Then let's make some noise. That was a great back and forth. I think Joe and uh, Dave Skilton, the VFX guy, were one-upping each other. Joe would put something in, sound and, and music-wise, and Dave would up it on the VFX. And Joe would go, right, I better up my game and it just was getting more and more uh, bonkers <laughs> excellent the, uh, the the test bed of the of the decks is incredible it's quite a short experience in the game um but it's it's quite a lot you can you can actually get out of it they should have had it as post game where credits roll instead of booting you back to the start menu they put you back in the club and you can just uh muck around to and then put a crowd in so it sort of becomes like <laughs> guitar hero live you know making the crowd go wild that would have been excellent uh yeah and then um so then we had these two tracks and then it was going to break out into this gunfight and it was it was a question of how do we move from that music that's actually in the world so you're playing this music that's in the club to music that's kind of more about the narrative more about the action more about the drama um, which is traditionally in blood and truth um we used uh, stri- what we call straight to ear, which is music that um, bypasses the 3D sound and just goes straight as if you're wearing headphones whilst having having a fight. And what that does is it moves the music out of the way to allow the 3D sound to come through. So the, the music's kind of on your head whilst the sound of the world is kind of in front of you and around you. Um, and it has this really nice effect of kind of, again, it's one of those things in, in VR where if it was just the music cutting in it would be more noticeable but because it kind of blends in over this soundtrack that's actually part of the world so you've got this club music and then slowly these strings and brass and percussion start building in as this gunfight starts kicking off by the end of it it's kind of an orchestral version of the club track um, and it's kind of completely blended from one to the other without the player really ever noticing it. but the drama of the scene is building and building and building <laughs> So there's a period where 
everything's still playing in the club, but the full orchestral version is playing as well, and it's all completely in sync and works together. So you've got, and then, as Joe said, as it gets even more intense, the sort of the club track transitions in as well, beats and stuff. So you get this cool. Um, so I get it's quite a filmic thing to do, right? You have the 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 music in the world that turns into the music that's scoring it, but sort of one level up from that because it's literally in the world. Yeah, it makes me think of Baby Driver. I don't know if you guys did any kind of ref, you know, watch that with any deliberate reference listening or that sort of maybe occurred slightly. Yeah, Baby Driver was definitely a, a, a reference in terms of how much we wanted to push that sync with the music and the action. Um, and, and yeah, the casino is the best example of that. Yeah, and not just that, they're also the kind of films where the music takes over at a moment of intensity. Like, um, even like the, the first Kingsman film or John Woo, John Wick, all of that kind of thing, you know, where... Uh, the 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 action is choreographed like Baby Driver, where it's choreographed to the music completely, and the music kind of takes over from the sound design almost, even though it's a great big fight with explosions and stuff. And it was nice to do that to vary it up through the game as well. And I mean, that scene basically leaves no room for the sound designers to do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, congratulations! It definitely seems like that. That I'm really glad that in just doing a very light bit of research yesterday that I came across that because it definitely seems like one of the sort of prime examples of you know brilliant case study for interactive music and music in VR and it's a, it seems like a real achievement. I hope by the end of the year, uh, uh, lots of people in their sort of year end roundups are talking about moments like that from Blood and Truth. So uh, we were just sort of mentioning influences there a little bit uh, gameplay wise there are traces of the foundational first person shooters so goldeneye um the original call of duty for modern warfare uh, even like on rail stuff like time crisis did any of those video games or their scores influence you guys at all or was it mainly thriller movies and james bond and, and david arnold's sort of james bond stuff that kind of thing it's difficult not to have been influenced i guess just because that's the the history of the genre but there was nothing we didn't sort of actively go out and look at those kind of games as research we were much more in the the, the film uh side of things in terms of how they score action um and how they make you feel cool how they make you or make the lead characters seem like a badass because that was the really important thing was Ryan Marks is a badass all the time. You know, he's like John Wick, he's always in control. Even if you, the player, are doing really badly, you know, Ryan Marks is probably doing that on purpose as some subterfuge to you. Know. So one of the things we were trying to work out was how can the music both score the fact that you're doing well and badly and grow as you're doing well, but also always make you feel like a total badass, even if you're not doing that well. And was David Arnold's James Bond stuff a, a touch point? It seems like such an obvious one yeah, to say. Yeah, well, I think it was. But in the, I suppose, I mean, because I've got such a jazz background, as we've talked about before, that I think um, there was kind of an inevitability. And I suppose, it, it, yeah, of course, David Arnold's Bond stuff is a, was a, a reference in that. But 
as much John Barry's Bond stuff was, you know, as it was for David Arnold, right? That's the sound of Bond's, those kind of chords and those kind of brass-heavy sessions and things. You know, it being in London, we wanted it to sound British, but a British action score and a big blockbuster British action film is Bond. So I think it was inevitable that there are times when it, it leans towards that. Yeah, I think another big reference for us as well was other scores that did this mashup between kind of two different genres and how how uh, orchestral scores can be put with other genres and kind of that crossover and uh, like uh, Total Recall, for example, which did like a big uh, electronica meets uh, orchestral score. Um, I think that was an influence on how how we can get these sounds working together mm -hmm. in a way that's kind of unique and interesting. Yeah, because we kind of didn't want to just have the basses, like the the synth basses, the electronic basses. We didn't want them to just be playing along with the orchestral low end, you know, just like enhancing them. We wanted them to be doing their own thing. At the same time, we didn't want the orchestra to just be like doing a cover of an electronic track. So it was kind of about finding a way to allow that kind of grime bass sound and an orchestral sort of actually bass riff to live together and so as Joe said things like Total Recall and, and yeah David Arnold those kind of things uh, just to sort of get some ideas for how that could work. Hmm. There's there's two different strands that I'd love to pick up on there one is just brass talk to me about brass I mean I hear John Williams uh, the even his pr scores for the the prequel Star Wars films, there's some cues in that that just are incredible and very, very brass heavy. And then you think of Don Davis's uh, score for The Matrix. And, and the, the brass here, as much as the grime, you know, there are more orchestral tracks on the, on the album, soundtrack album, as there are grime tracks. And it's the brass that's just so percussive and so rhythmic that you barely even need percussion. It wanted to be something punchy and aggressive and fighty and all that, you know, that kind of aggressive, loud brass. Partly some of that came from the kind of brass stabs that grime producers like to use and, and sample. Some of it was like, right, if we were making like the perfect grime producers pack, what would the orchestra be? And obviously that much brass could be really heavy, but it's just really nice to to sort of let them go for it uh, they're just they're all such phenomenal musicians you mentioned the rhythmic stuff of it which they all absolutely knocked out of the park there's one moment where we had the three trumpets playing a just that which we recorded separately so that we could put some effects on it and and, and play it around left right do some delays and stuff and they were so freakishly tight that, uh, uh, like, playing tightly together, that um, Jake Jackson, the engineer, turned off all the pre-recorded stuff in the in the control room, and we were just listening to these three people playing. It was like, was the most phenomenally tight rhythmic playing I've ever heard. It sounded like one person. It was extraordinary. Having worked with a lot of these players before, fortunately on other projects, you know, when um, either with America, like Bloodborne and stuff, or things that we've done, PSVR Worlds and Wonderbook and things, kind of know them and their playing and their playing styles. Who kind of know, you know, if we give these trombonists this line, 
it's going to sound wicked. So, so to a certain extent, we started writing things maybe that we knew the specific players would play in a cool way. We had um, a lot of the uh, the trombone and trumpet players are jazz players as well as orchestral players. So they were able to bring some of that swagger. I think one of the cues uh, tempo marking is molto swagger. <laughs> so yeah, just sort of loud, aggressive, brassy fun. We wanted to try and have an instrument or a sound that could represent the the bad guy or the, the sort of the bad side of things. And we began, I can't remember how, but we began thinking about the idea of a bass trumpet because it doesn't really get used very much. And it's that, you know, it's in like um, Wagner and Strauss and stuff, the sort of very polite European uh, rotary valve one. But the, you can also get basically just big B-flat trumpets, bass trumpets that sometimes jazz trombonists play. And it happened, as we were talking about this, that uh, Andy Wood, who is a phenomenal trombonist, had one. So uh, we got him to come by the office just to sort of play some ideas and discuss how it worked. And it was such a cool sound. familiar but not quite familiar it's sort of and because they're um not that common an instrument they're not necessarily the most developed you know they haven't been worked on a lot so there's some rough edges to it which is really nice you know not to how did he describe it it was like he the... said it was like the sound of a trombone with the ego of a trumpet um, and it was just this great sound, and that led to a lot of how the brass writing worked as well, because we could do, because we would essentially then have four trumpets, three regular ones and one bass trumpet. So we did a lot of sort of big band style trumpet chords, but down the octave with the bass trumpet, taking that and then filled that out from there with the low brass. So a lot of that sort of punchy rhythmic stuff, I think, came from trying to build around the fact that we were both super into the bass trumpet. <laughs> did you did you tell them to blow the bloody doors off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as good as. Excellent, excellent. I'm I'm really pleased I'm really pleased uh, for brass to have its day. Maybe brass is the instrument of VR cinematic grind <laughs> uh, going forwards. Maybe you guys have set the set the trend. So in terms of grime, how did the collaboration with Z dot come about was it the thought of it's set in london we're in london grime comes from london we need some grime who's a good kind of producer who can slot in with us let's find a, a person or or was it a bit more organic than that um so me and jim did a load of kind of prototype like a couple loads of sketches of different ideas on what what the sound of this game would be right at the beginning um 
and after kind of I think between us we did about 20 different kind of short sketches (laughs) of ideas uh, and we kind of started circling around this idea of it's got to it's got to have some kind of element of grime in it and it's got to and it's got to have some element of orchestral stuff in it and we got kind of a demo track together which ended up being kind of Ryan Marks's uh, theme tune really keen but one of the things we were talking about is like if we're going to have elements of grime then we need to have someone who's authentically in that scene and knows what they're doing and we don't want to be doing kind of a pastiche of grime no. or a, a or bad just nicking it. or just knit or just nicking it um and so yeah we wanted someone who was was definitely kind of embedded in that world and who would be able to help us make something that sounded authentic and worked uh, with the orchestral stuff so yeah so, so we pitched it out to a couple of, of grime producers and uh, and Zed Dot came back with this really great demo of um, taking one of our pieces and doing a remix of it and adding his beats and adding his mm-hmm. bass to it and then yeah it kind of started down that path yeah. I think the fact as well that he is a gamer he loves games he like when we were showing him early stages of the game and, and what we wanted to do he totally got it and could see like as a gamer he could see how the music was going to work and what it was going to do and was into it which was another selling point yeah and then the process there after that was we'd we'd record at the studio and we'd record everything in stem so we'd have the strings the brass and the percussion all separately and then we'd send him um kind of a, a brief for the track with kind of with all the different elements of the the track that we'd work on and he could take whatever he wanted and kind of rebuild tracks his own way and then on top of that we also have the tracks that have vocal elements in them and a lot of those were suggestions from Zed. He'd be like, it would be really cool to get this guy working on this track. Some suggestions came from us. We're like, what about this guy? Could he work with that? Uh, and Zed and Duncan Smith, our uh, music supervisor, would work together on kind of getting that talent in and working with them and getting the best out of them. The bit I managed to jump in on, a YouTuber play, playing through the game and uh, the track with the chorus hook, I'm coming for you came in and he's mowing down guys with a submachine gun and he and he just stops he's like oh man then he started singing the lyrics back and then he said oh the music's so good they got man on a rage i'm coming for you i get this result i'm coming for you i show no regrets i'm coming for you go blood and revenge i'm coming for you i'm coming for you i get this result i'm coming for you i show no regrets i'm coming for you go blood and revenge i'm coming for you I'm reclaiming the throne, never came with gang, man came on my own I'm protecting my own, any violations get them solved There's just a, a synergy here that's kind of perfect in terms of action and aesthetics and, and music, not to, to blow too much smoke up your bums, but <laughs> just the, it makes perfect sense. It's a game set in contemporary London, so you kind of have to have grime. Grime is this massive global thing now, but it comes from London and it's London's time. The next Watch Dogs, it's going to be set in London. You have to assume that the GTA team have thought about revisiting London, although they might consider like a 70s period piece or whatever. But I don't know, it just feels right. And it it makes me sort of slightly sad that we don't see more hip-hop and urban styles in other 
video games. I think Crackdown 3 has elements of it. I think they certainly have been. Maybe how how it's happened here with the, the orchestral and the, the grind urban stuff being so sort of hand-in-hand partners is maybe it's a specific recognisable sound, which was what we wanted for this. But again, I think some of the benefit of that comes back to being an in-house team and being on a project where they wanted to push the boundaries and where the, the game where the dev leads really wanted it to feel like it was a game set in London made by people who live in London. You know, it wasn't Hollywood London. It was uh, the actual London that you hear on someone's mobile phone on the bus when you're on your way to work or you, you know, that kind of, that kind of London. So I mean, it was very nice, very kind of you to say that it sort of seemed like a natural fit and it, that's kind of how it felt to us as we circled around these ideas like joe said we just kept funneling down to this this sound we i mean we had our pitch meeting with the team and we were saying to each other beforehand it was like man i hope they go for this because like if we <laughs> it's just got to be this i don't know what else it can be well we we took them on that journey when we, we when we invited the direction team up to show them kind of what we'd been working on and what path we thought they should take um we kind of took them on that journey of this is where we started we started thinking about these ideas and then we started thinking about these ideas and how these would mix and and then by the time you end up with what we ended up with they'd been on that journey with you and they're like obviously this is the right choice for the game this is obviously what it sounds like this this is the sound of our game absolutely and i hope that it sparks in the wider video game industry the idea that you can bring contemporary styles in maybe other people might say oh well we're not platform holders we don't have the resources we don't have the space and time to be as experimental as you guys um, have been able to but I really hope that people can think about bringing different styles of music in, contemporary styles, urban styles, and that they don't have to conflict or clash or be a zero sum with kind of orchestral music or traditional score or interactive music. There doesn't have to be compromises. Um, Musically speaking, these things can sit together and especially getting, uh, you know, like, as you say, an authentic producer from a particular subscene of music actually involved in the project rather than try and fake it to make it yourselves seems like a no-brainer absolutely yeah i think so and, and the good thing about games music particularly now is it's so open to all kinds of, of music there's so many different types of games that can take so many different types of music to, to to help tell their stories or enhance their gameplay and experiences that i think yeah Absolutely. Open the doors. The more the merrier music-wise, I think. Good stuff. There's a You alluded to it earlier. There's a jokey cue <laughs> on the album, the heavy lifting. Yeah. Who who took duties on that? And was there any that special kind of research involved to do that one? My entire life. <laughs> <laughs> My entire musical education. Uh, no, we were talking about, you know, the, the classic... Uh, having the main theme of the game playing in a cheesy version in the lift. And I just got carried away and I thought, you know what? We've got a session coming up with a big old orchestra. Um, like, when am I ever going to get to write some, uh, you know, 50s easy listening, carry on theme tune type music and actually record it with a massive orchestra? I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go full pelt with this. Got fully carried away and then, uh, yeah, then thought, oh. 
maybe this isn't the best use of, <laughs> of our recording time. So we go, all right, well, we'll if we've got time, if we've got time, we'll record it at the end of the... stressful thing about that story is that we had the, the game development team come down to the recording at Abbey Road Studios very excited to hear all their game music play and they arrived just at the time we were recording that cue and I think they might have had a little panic that the whole of the soundtrack was going to be uh, in that style. Luckily um, yeah, we zoomed fast it quite quickly and we managed to uh, get onto stuff that was more uh, in, in topic with the yeah <laughs> no it was a lot of fun it was just a kind of a fun silly thing I got carried away and recorded loads of daft percussion like flex tones and swanny whistle and stuff and Is, uh, it is a variation of the uh, of the main theme, the the melody of it, just just about. But uh, and then since we had it, I think we just quite like the idea of it being at the end of the album as a little bonus track, particularly coming after <laughs> the uh, after the vocal tracks and stuff. It definitely feels like to me, you know, you guys have had a, a, a it's quite a special project. Yeah, it definitely feels like a, a a special project in terms of how much we were able to be involved what we were able to put into it you know creative technically uh in terms of bouncing ideas with the dev team all of that stuff and and as you say like little easter eggs and and bits and bobs of silly things and fun things it's all generally that. easter eggs that nobody else will understand <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's there's lots of cool little bits like throughout that you know just kind of little tidbits of or fun things yeah. that, that kind of happen like if you're in the art gallery lobby you get a piano version of tony's theme playing through the tannoys yeah i did a little chopin-esque <laughs> cover of of the bad guys theme that plays in the gallery i love that hello welcome to the anthony sharp modern art collection named after yours truly and entrusted in perpetuity to the people of London by one of their own. I'll be your guide throughout your visit. Like the little collectibles that you yeah. pick up, um, if you pick up a collectible, um, they're from, they're actually, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but they're actually from VR Worlds, like little figurines of VR Worlds characters and they play the theme tunes from the VR Worlds game when you pick them up as the kind of little stinger um, which is quite fun. Very good. It was interesting to hear Mark Cerny talking about um, the PS4 not necessarily being you know the most exciting in terms of pushing audio forwards but that they definitely had that in mind when they were talking about the specs for 
PS5 and audio ray tracing, as exciting and meaningless as that sounds. Are you guys uh, looking forward to the next kind of wave of technology, you know, the PS5? Do you feel like it's going to be more work or more complexity or, or is it just pure excitement about the possibilities? It was it's exciting to hear that and read that interview, I think, because I do feel like game audio in particular is kind of people are paying a lot more attention to it. So it's really nice to hear that of platform holder front and yeah i think everyone's excited about what's possible it will inevitably be work but it's always work to get things done and to do things well but i think just the i guess it's going to be a bit like vr's been right the initial wild west blank slate of all right what can we do with this because no one's really done it before so let's see what happens if we do this oh let's never do that again uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um you know, I think, yeah, definitely exciting. Yeah, I think there's going to be, just with having more power, um, it's, it's, it's an exciting prospect of what we can actually do with that power and where we can put that resource and, yeah, um, yeah, and what, what boundaries we can push next. With the near future of video game music, is there one particular clever implementation trick you want to try that uh, newer, more powerful consoles and things will allow you to? Or is there something that maybe you wanted to try on Blood and Truth but weren't able to because of the, the sort of technical cost of it? I think a lot of what I want to push when I'm doing music stuff is allowing the music to be more predictive rather than reactive. And... That doesn't necessarily come with more power, but uh, with smarter software and smarter games that kind of know the trajectory of what's going to happen because of certain decisions that you've made previously and allowing the music to develop kind of slower and more proactively um, and taking the, the, the user on a journey that you couldn't do uh, with something that's kind of more reactive. Is there a specific sort of example you could give uh, a gamer who doesn't know necessarily about audio implementation? So I'm just thinking in terms of like, if, you, if you've got a, in, in film, you have a moment which is kind of built, you, you would kind of build the trajectory of from the start of the scene to the end of the scene and, you know, building, 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 building. An example in Blood and Truth would be, spoilers, the scene with Carson where he's making you various promises and, uh, and, and suggesting things that may happen. And because that portion of it is fairly is linear, the music can score that in a, a sort of building the tension. And then it reaches a moment where he puts out his hand for you to shake it. And at some point you shake it, and because it's a big action film, obviously when you shake his hand and agree, the theme has to play because that's what happens in those things. But we don't know how long you're going to stand there uh, waiting to shake his hand so all we can do is kind of have a sustained note there but with something more predictive even off the top of my head something that could see in advance that you were beginning to move towards the hand could tell the music system to begin preparing so rather than having to suddenly cut on it we could lead towards it and the whole thing feels more bespoke i think we're always aiming for the player's experience of the music to be as if someone did a capture of them playing the game, took it away, and then wrote a score for their playthrough. Right? We don't want them to hear the joins and stuff, which should all be smooth and feel completely tailored to them. 
Yeah, uh, and uh, presumably the next wave of VR, you can have finger tracking. So instead of shaking the guy's hand, you just put your middle finger up at him and yeah. then you can have the swanny whistle come in yeah. instead of the... <laughs> <laughs> The, so you, you can you can you can put your finger up at him at the moment. You do have gestures in, uh-huh. in it, so you you can put your middle finger, or you or you can give him a thumbs up, or you yeah. can give him the middle finger. All of these. Well, guys, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thanks very much for your time, and uh, good luck on whatever comes next that you probably can't talk about. And uh, and yeah, have a good day. You too. Excellent. Uh, it's good to chat to you, man. Thank you to Joe and Jim again for joining me for this Sound of Play extra interview. The Blood and Truth soundtrack is available on Spotify and Apple Music and all the other streaming services, so there's absolutely no excuse not to give it a once-over. Remember, please venture over to our forum at caneandrince.com forward slash forum or follow us on Twitter, that's at caneandrince. Use the hashtag soundofplay if you want to comment about this episode. Or you can go to the Cane and Rince Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash caneandrince. Via the forum, Twitter and Facebook page, you can request your favourite tracks and we'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for each regular Sound of Play podcast. Make sure to check out our other fantastic composer interviews and might I be so bold to draw your attention to the interview with Fallout and Dragon Age composer Enon Zir, which we put out on the 23rd of April 2019. Please subscribe to Sound of Play and leave us an Apple Podcasts review or rating. Listen to our other podcasts, Cane and Rinse on Mondays, Playwright on a Thursday, and The Sausage Factory on a Friday. If you've enjoyed this show, please consider donating $1 a month, just $1, through our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse. Thanks and goodbye. London streets, abundant grease. Buckle up because you've got front row seats. Knuckle dusters just slump these chiefs Round here, man not one from police Don't get caught slipping in London, don't forget, blood is thicker than Water's dripping in Sinking to the bottom of the Thames If you didn't pay back what you owe Best hope you can swim Don't be fooled by the cobblestone road And red phone box, the street's so cold But the devil gets hot and rings your phone So if they're not, you can't put him on hold This ain't hide and seek Unless you wanna hide six feet deep Okay, if you wanna keep things clean Then you're gonna have to operate on Seen. Serious, I'm not joking, I won't kid you You're a crazy individual, but they ain't playing no games This ain't Biggie in the middle, and I ain't naming no names Off the record or official, and you should say the same If you wanna see the visual, cause you don't know If these people are just trying to befriend you Or if they're your enemies and they're trying to end you So pay close attention to the messages they send you You've been away for a little while Now welcome back, remember all you've seen I don't know if you can wipe the slate clean You don't have a price, respect is free You've been away for a little while Now welcome back, remember all you've I don't care whether the tables have turned You don't have a price, respect is earned You've been away for a little while now, welcome back Hop off the plane, grey skies, overcast, rain Welcome back, test out your aim No joke fam, you came to cause pain Welcome back, everything's changed But you're on point cause you've been well trained Welcome back, you've been at the game Now make sure they remember your name Welcome back, been at the game Welcome back, everything's changed Welcome back, you've been out of the game